strengthened in the announcement. Uh, if you were here Wednesday night, I announced it, but Brenda's not doing well at all. And uh, it's, it's very hard on mom considering, uh, you know, her age and her health as well. So I'd ask you again, uh, if you would say a, a special prayer for mom and Brenda for what's best, maybe not always what's our will, but what is best uh, in this situation. I'd, I'd make that request to you if you'd be so kind. <clears throat> Felix tells the Apostle Paul in Acts 24, verse 25, he says, you go away. Go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I'll call for you. Two chapters later, King Agrippa tells Paul, you almost persuade me to be a Christian. I was thinking about maybe what to put together for the sermon. I, I thought about being in Caesarea. And I had several of you like those pictures. And I thought, well, it's maybe a good time. But what, uh, what we're going to study this morning is the situation um, that Paul's in. So if you may open your Bibles up to Acts 24, 25, 26, we'll go through that. Appreciate everyone's presence this morning. Any visitors we have, we're grateful for your presence. Encourage you to come back anytime you'd have opportunity. We consider you our honored guest. Appreciate the opportunity to preach before you this morning. Appreciate the confidence the elders have in me. Appreciate all the other men that sign up uh, and, and take this responsibility on. It's a great responsibility. And men, if you haven't signed up, you're considering it. One thing that goes through uh, what Donnie said before, if you're thinking about preaching, uh, if, if you'll sit down with the Word, and you just keep reading, and you keep reading, you keep studying, and you keep reading, and you keep reading, something's going to come out. You're going to get enough in that you're going to have a message for somebody. You're going to draw from it. So if you're thinking about doing it, you can't, well, i got to have something new. No, you don't. New is dangerous, I'm just telling you. New is dangerous. Get in the Word, study it, study it, study it, meditate on it, think about it, something will come out. So, man, I encourage you to think about Maybe signing up for that. There's uh, still a few spots left uh, on the form back there. So while we're in uh, Israel, we went to Caesarea. Now, what we're studying this morning, uh, these are pictures of, of course, the ancient city. Um, to the left in this picture is going to be where Herod's palace would have been. Uh, and we'll go through this. This is the maybe an amphitheater. They might have called it a theater um, where... This hearing may have happened. What we're going to look at is this hearing that Paul uh, is in before Agrippa Festus Felix. Could have happened right behind here. Uh, here talks about King Herod and some of the things he built. Uh, a great, um, uh, he was a great architect, Herod was. Um, and more of that, that's the aqueduct that Herod had designed to feed water to Caesarea. There's more pictures of it. You can see actually where the sand has actually covered it. Uh, the aqueduct where it would brought water to it, and these wells in Caesarea where it, they, the water would have come into, so where they'd have a little bit of store, uh, storage area for their water. More of the, just the, uh, some of the findings there, the artifacts, uh, an old tomb, some of the column tops, and this is a, uh, of course you can tell it's a shepherd with a lamb, carrying the lamb, uh, maybe a replica about, about Jesus and his, I'm not sure, um, uh, then also you'll see this foot would be a part of um, a statue of Caesar, is what they thought. You can see the size of that, how large that statue would have been. Uh, this is the palace, uh, kind of a, a, 
idea of what the palace would have looked like. That when we think about Felix, Festus, and Agrippa in the story, uh, this would have been what they'd have been staying in. Uh, gives more, more detail. Uh, um, the mosaics on the floor, and you've seen this picture of the old mosaics that they had, they had uncovered uh, there, showing that's where the palace would have been. You see the square cut out? It may have been a pool uh, that Herod would have had built in that palace. Now it brings us up to our text here in Acts 25. It has this inscription uh, on site, talking about this event that takes place in Acts 25 and 26 with Paul uh, before King Agrippa. And uh, this is thought to be the sales. So when you think about Paul being in prison in Caesarea, they think these, these were the actual foundations of those buildings. So when we think about Paul and him being in prison, this could have been where Paul would have been living while, while he was being held. Uh, so it really, as I was there, Leon talked about on-site Bible study. And you can tell that you know, I, was our, I was there reading uh, from these accounts, standing in the very place where, you know, if I'd have been there um, at that time, I could have overheard maybe this conversation. The conversations between Felix Festus, and, um, Agrippa, and Paul. Um, uh, the, the actual trial where Paul stood before King Agrippa could have happened in this area. Um, these are some halls, possibly. You know, I don't know if it was right here, right here, but it was here in this area. Could have been in this amphitheater. Uh, one translation calls it a theater. They could have been standing here and Paul giving his defense. So let's start this morning. Uh, Paul's imprisonment and defense, we're going to see this starting to kind of get you, um, give you an idea of what's going on. Um, in chapter 24, uh, in verses 5 and 6, we're going to say, why? Okay, why was Paul imprisoned again? Why was that? Uh, Paul was imprisoned. Uh, these are the accusations that were made against him by the Jews. We have found him, this man, to be a plague or creator of dissension. I'm reading 24, verse 5, Acts 24, verse 5. Uh, found this man to be a plague, a creator of dissension among the Jews throughout the world, a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes, and he even tried to profane the temple. Um, so that'd be one of the reasons that, um, that Paul, really three reasons right here that we see. Uh, also, another reason was to protect him. Uh, we find in this chapter also that Lysias, in verse 7, uh, came and took him by great violence. Now, the reason for that, um, they wanted to kill Paul. You got to understand, uh, they, they just didn't want to imprison this man, the Jews didn't. They wanted him dead. They wanted him dead. And we see on in chapter 25 where they were going to lay an ambush for Paul. Uh, but you can see uh, one point, and we're going to see several points as we go through this lesson. Um, but as we talk about reading through and we're studying, you realize that there were people in this day, even today, this faith that we have and our belief, they were willing to murder a man. Murder him. And it's still going on today in other countries. There some statistics out there talk about the number of Christians that are killed. This, our Christian faith, people die because of this. People die. The Jews, large group of spirits, supposed to be spiritual people, wanting to kill this man. Wanting to kill him. You can imagine. Now he goes before 
It's his first one. He goes before Felix, being the governor at this time. Um, Felix knows, notices something. There, there is no, there's no proof. Um, he was not able to find proof. Look at uh, 25 verse 5. If you, ain't, if you don't have your Bible, I encourage you to get your Bible and open it up uh, and follow us along in this. 25 verse 5. Um, that he was, uh, he asked first, let those who have authority among you go down with me and accuse this man and see if there is any fault. Um, verse 7. I have got my slides out of order, and I do apologize for that. I was having problems with that this morning. Verse 7, um, Felix here talks about um, they could not prove. So you've got men wanting to kill Paul. Uh, the governor, uh, Felix, was wanting um, the proof. They could not provide the proof. Paul comes in um, responding to these accusations. And he's telling him, Felix, it's this faith. It's the faith that I have, the reason these men want to kill me. He confesses um, also in it about his faith and his hope. He also talks about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, telling them that, that this is the reason the Jews want to kill me. And we'll go through some of this also before Agrippa. Uh, when he goes before Festus, Festus Seeking accusers. He's seeking the Jews. Who is going to stand before us uh, and accuse this man? Again, they have no proof. No proof worthy of putting a man to death. He appeals to Caesar. Uh, Paul seeing what's going on. In verse 10 of chapter 25... Paul said, I stand at Caesar's judgment seat where I ought to be judged. The Jews, I have done no wrong, as you very well know. A couple things you're going to notice when he's addressing, if you go back and read through these chapters, he's calling out these men, and, and oftentimes he'll say, you know, you're aware. We're going to see this with King Agrippa. Paul was aware of, of who he was talking to, and he knew what kind of knowledge they had about the Jewish customs. And we'll see more of that. Uh, we're going to spend the mo mo bulk of our time right here in Agrippa. I find the details are a little more uh, as we go through um, this discussion before Agrippa. We'll see a few more details. They're going to be very similar um, to what would have taken place in front of Festus and Felix. Uh, but a little more detail in chapter, chapter 26. Now I want you to watch for... Um, facts through these. If you go back and read these three chapters, you follow us here, but, but I want you to watch for something. Uh, uh, innocent man being wrongly accused. And we see that today uh, in some of our political arenas. And, and this is almost what's happening here. There's kind of a political uh, arena, political theater going on. Uh, we're going to see uh, evidence and some facts that are ignored. Uh, we're going to see some false witnesses. Um, and, and we kind of see what make, might make a little sense to us is why God had such a strict judgment on false witnesses when they come forward uh, and how they should be punished, because we're going to see that, um, that the reason the, the false witness should be punished. Uh, we're going to see men that they're going to see the truth, and they're going to still refuse it. Uh, we're going to see political pressure uh, and men not um, holding up their integrity because of political pressure. Uh, we're going to see loyalty to groups. We're going to see rulers with no fear of God. Uh, and we're also going to see... Uh, 
some men that have, they can be experts, but they still lack wisdom, if that makes sense. They can be an expert, they still lack wisdom, they still lack having good judgment. So when we go off into chapter 26, this will be the bulk of our study. And you notice here in verse 26, Paul stretches out his hands. He's before King Agrippa at this time. Um, and he is permitted to speak before Agrippa. Uh, he was also permitted to speak before Festus and Felix. Uh, but they were governors. Those two were governors. Now he's before the king. Um, and you'll notice one thing as Paul starts out this response. And this was, it's just kind of a sidebar to me. But as I was reading this, these words, these three words in verse 2. I think myself happy. I think myself happy. And I thought, you know, Paul was glad that he could stand before King Agrippa and offer up his defense. But I also think about, can we not think ourselves happy when we're in a terrible situation? I mean, was, was, Caesar, was Paul not in a terrible situation? And imprisoned. He's done went before two governors. They still were not releasing now he's going for the key, before the king. Still probably not going to be released. He's appealed to Caesar. Knows he's going to end up in Rome. But he still, he says, I think myself happy. That how we can, with the right attitude, if we get into our minds, I, I'm not going to let this drag me down. I am not. Because did Paul not have a reason to feel depressed? Did he not have a reason to feel alone? Did he not feel like, I just, you know, I just want to give up serving God. This is too much trouble. And you think about that when you read this story? I think myself happy. He's happy to be fighting for this faith. He's happy that he can stand before the king and plead this cause and try to tell the king, try to make him understand um, the reason he does what he does. He starts out, and I want you to notice, as we go through this, watch for, the, watch for these, um, this evidence that he presents. Watch for um, the, the people that have made the accusations. As we start out in verse 3, he uh, tells uh, King Agrippa, he said, you, You're an expert, King Agrippa. You are an expert in all customs and questions which have to do with these Jews. Now, this is important. As he goes before King Agrippa, uh, that King Agrippa understands uh, the customs of these people that are accusing Paul. See, King Agrippa knows that. Uh, and he's calling, you know, he's calling out King Agrippa to, you know, you call on this knowledge you have, and King Agrippa, you watch and you look at the Jews that accuse me. He said these Jews in verse 4, they have known him since his youth, from the beginning, and also at his own nation at Jerusalem, all the Jews know. It's King Agrippa, all these Jews know who I, who I am, from where I'm from, from the beginning. As soon as he started following um, and, and learning the Jewish ways and the customs, they knew this. These Jews that are accusing me, they know. They knew me from the first. And then here we are again. If they were willing to testify they're not willing to testify. You go back, couldn't find the proof, couldn't find the accusers, couldn't find credible witnesses. If they're willing to testify. Now here's what they would know. Here's what they would know. 
Here's what they would, would say about Paul. That he lived to the strictest sect of our religion. I lived a Pharisee. That, that he didn't take it light. He took it, uh, he took it to heart. This man had a lot of zeal, and we'll see that in a minute also. Another thing that, that would just stand out to us, he says, I am stand, now I stand and am judged for the hope, verse 6, for the hope of the promise made by God to our fathers. And we're reading about this, we're studying about this in our Wednesday night Bible class. The story coming together. If you're not here on Wednesday nights, you don't understand what I'm talking about when I'm talking about um, this promise made to God to our fathers. When Paul's talking about that, if you're not with us on Wednesday night studying, this thing, that's not going to meet as much because you're not here taking part in some of the studies. So this is a good reason to be here on Wednesday night. Make it part of your, of your life. Uh, this promise, studying Exodus now as they come out of Egypt, Fulfilling that promise that was made all the way back to Abraham. Three promises. Land, nation, seed. Three promises were made. Now, what does Paul tell? What does Paul tell them? This promise, the twelve tribes earnestly serve God day and night, hoping to attain this, hoping to attain this promise. And he says in verse 8, it almost changed gears if you if you have to just think about this. Why? King Agrippa, why would you think it is incredible that God would raise a man from the dead if these promises were made to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, come on through to the 12 tribes, 12 tribes come out of Egypt. This promise is fulfilled, King Agrippa. Why would you think it amazing if a man could be raised to the dead when all that prophecy and everything was fulfilled and now we stand here today? That is the hope. That is the promise uh, that, that this man has. And this is why he's being judged. And then he goes on to talk about Paul persecuting Christians. He said, King, you know, if, this is, if the rest of this isn't obvious, this should be to you, King Agrippa. The man that, that Paul was when he was Saul, notice what he did in verse 9. I thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus Christ. He did it in Jerusalem. The saints he shut up in prison, having received this authority from the chief priest. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. In verse 11, I punished them often in every synagogue, compelled them to blasphemy. And being exceedingly enraged against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. So you notice, you, you think about what this man had done. He had went to the Jews, verse 10. He would gotten this authority. He had authority from the, uh, the elders' chief priest to go out and to murder, throw in prison, Christians. Compelled them to blaspheme. You, you, you understand what that means? You understand what that means? Paul was so severe against Christians, he would cause them to blaspheme, cause them to turn from their faith and give up their faith. That's how hard he was. You can imagine. What would you, you know, I mean, how would people feel when they were being drugged off to prison? 
Stephen was stoned, murdered. Paul would have been one that would have been carrying out some of these things. Even to foreign cities. So you see the zeal of Paul that, that he just wants, he don't want to stay where he's at. He wants to completely destroy this faith. And we find that in Galatians chapter 3 where he talks about destroying, destroy. He wanted to destroy the church of God. Not maybe just, you know, slow it down. He was setting out to completely destroy the church. And for us, we think about that today. We're standing here today because we're the church today. But we've got to realize there were men back in those times that were beheading men, crucifying men, burning men at the stake over this religion, over our faith, over what we believe in. Men were dying for this. And Paul would have been one that would have been carrying out some of those commands. Well, then he starts talking about um, in verse 12, he talks about his conversion. And he's laying out, this is all of his evidence uh, before King Agrippa. This is his evidence uh, trying to plead his case and prove to King Agrippa, uh, I, I am an innocent man. He talks about his conversion on the road to Damascus, start, starting there in verse 12, and how this light that would have shone around him brighter than the sun. Um, and notice it was uh, also... It was not just him, but verse 14 tells us, and when all had fallen to the ground, so did not, it was not only him affected at this miraculous event, it was everyone around him. Uh, all of them fell to the ground. And then he hears the voice, and this is where uh, the voice of our Lord comes to him and, and says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kiss, kick against the goats. More or less, it's a battle that you're not going to win, Saul. Saul, you're not winning this battle. Uh, and then goes on to tell him that, that this is, I am Jesus Christ. Our Lord's telling him, you rise and stand on your feet, and here's going to be, this is your new job, Paul. This is your new job. I'm going to make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen, the things which I will yet reveal to you. He's going to go on from the Jewish people, verse 17, uh, as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. He's going to the Gentiles to also be a light to their eyes. Turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So Paul now got a new mission. He's now a changed man. And it kind of his case to Agrippa is, you know, King, I, I once had great zeal to murder, imprison Christians, and absolutely destroy Christianity. And now after this vision, King Agrippa, now I have a new mission. This is my job now. And imagine him standing in that theater presenting this case before King Agrippa. And, and whoever else would stand there. And, and it could have very well been uh, some of the Jews, some of his accusers listening to this. And, and they're being called out. If you're going to accuse Paul, come forth. They could have been listening to this conversation. He tells King Agrippa in 19, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Paul tells him, I went. 
And as the Lord summoned me, I went and I carried out um, this command that I received from the Lord. And he goes on in 21. Well, it talks about, let's first talk about, think about, um, think about the work that Paul put in and where he went. He delivered it first to Damascus, goes to Jerusalem through all, throughout all the region of Judea, and then to Gentiles that they should repent. So Paul wasn't just sitting in one spot. We know if we follow his missionary's journey, he went all over. Paul went many places preaching this word, uh, had as much zeal in preaching the word as he had trying to destroy it, as much energy. And you think about Paul, if we know by reading, Paul had uh, this thorn in the flesh, this thorn in the flesh that Paul carried. And, and we have regrets. I know we, everyone has regrets, but you think about two things with Paul. It could have been a physical infirmity from the the road to Damascus when the light come around him and he could have been blinded. It could have affected his vision. Uh, I often think about the, the regret, uh, the regret Paul could have carried around. And um, some of us, that regret's going to mean a little bit more because we may have more regrets in our life of things that we've done. Uh, and in comparing regret to some physical, some physical problem we might have, the regret seems to plague me a little bit more. Uh, and it may plague some people more than others. And uh, uh, that could have been, that could have weighed on Paul heavily. But you think about a man now, I'm trying to build up the church of God. I'm trying to build up Christians. I'm trying to convert people to Christianity. And him thinking back of how many churches, how many groups, small groups of people, churches that were in areas that he completely destroyed. We don't know of how many he did, of, of what kind of effect he had. How much, you know, how, how many times did he do that? That he destroyed a small group of Christians. I think you travel around in different areas, there's small groups here and there, but there's still small groups coming together to worship God. Paul would have destroyed that, put a complete end to it. He might have killed them. He might have drug them off to prison. But whatever it was, he was trying to destroy that. And now he's walking into these little towns and he's, he just wish, I just wish that I could find four or five people to come together as Christians and believe where I could start a little group. You ever think about all his travels and all the work he did? That, you know, that could have been his motivating factor because he knew what he had done and how many he destroyed. And now... You know, maybe some way I can make it up. Somehow, some way, maybe I can make it up. And the reason Paul pushed on. He had obtained this help from God in verse 22. And he stands before, before them that day, small and great, um, saying no other things than those which the, prophet, the prophets and Moses said would come. And again, he's going back to this hope and this faith that we've already covered. You know, King Agrippa, this is exactly what the prophets talked about. This is exactly what Moses talked about. What I'm, why I'm standing before you today is what they were hoping for. That was this promise. That's why, um, that's why it's so ridiculous of these accusations because that's what the Jews are hoping for. The same thing I'm hoping for. 
He was also um, ridiculed for this resurrection. It was one reason they wanted to kill him, because he talked of this resurrection of Jesus Christ. We've already seen where he said, why would you think that ridiculous? Why would that be ridiculous to you, King Agrippa? He goes on talking about, uh, in verse 23, that Christ would suffer. He'd be the first to rise from the dead. Uh, and this was his message. Festus speaks up in verse 24, and he excuses Paul. He said, Paul, you are beside yourself. Much learning is driving you mad. Uh, and you kind of see the frustration coming out in Paul. I mean, you can only, we can only imagine what Paul's going through. Um, but he kind of lashes back at Festus. He said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but I speak the words of truth and reason. And then he calls out the king one more time, for the king before whom I also speak freely knows these things. And he goes on to talk about that none of these things escapes his attention. Uh, you can imagine the things that, uh, uh, kind of two, two things that would have not escaped uh, King Agrippa's attention was one, Paul persecuting and dragging off Christians, and then also uh, the miracles that Paul would have been working and traveling around, and probably uh, the stir that was following Paul, the stir that would have been behind the apostles. That would not have escaped King Agrippa. That, that would have been news. That would have traveled. That would have been something that, that everyone would have, known, would, would have known about. He calls on King Agrippa in verse 27 again. Do you believe the prophets? And he says, King Agrippa, I know that you believe the prophets. I know you do. And then we get down to this response, much like Felix. When Felix told him, you go away for now. I have a convenient time. I'll call for you. King Agrippa says here, um, you almost persuade me to become a, a Christian. And here's where we see, you may see that political um, political pull that King Agrippa is not wanting to, to confess his belief. Um, they had wanted to do Jews a favor. Festus and Felix both wanted to keep that relationship with those Jews and they know, they know if I, if I turn to Paul and I accept this, uh, then, then the Jews will rebel against King Agrippa. Same with Festus and Felix. If they if they go with Paul on this, the Jews are going to rebel against them. Paul goes out to close his, kind of his argument, and his desire is, I would, in verse 29, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me today might become both, almost, and altogether, such as I am, except for these chains. Paul's desire is, you know, he wants to make more Christians. He wants to teach people the truth. He wants to bring them to God. That is his desire. And then you see the, the politicians, they get up in verse 30, 30 and 31, right at the end of verse 31, they said, you know, this man is, do, is, is doing nothing deserving of death or of chains. But because of the allegiance to groups, because of false witnesses and their effect. The ruler's not really fearing God. They're afraid, they're, they're just afraid to stand up and do what's right. It says, talks about verse 32 that, uh, you know, if Paul had not appealed to Caesar, uh, he might be set free. But Paul had appealed to Caesar. And to Caesar he was going. And he would leave Caesarea. 
uh, he would go over uh, to Rome, and that's where he would live. And then eventually, we know by history that uh, you know, Paul would remain there for quite a while, and he would be, uh, at some point, uh, beheaded because of his allegiance to God. The price that men have paid that we may sit here today and hold this Bible in our hands and study and know the Word of God, the price that was paid, um, the remnant that still remains all across the world of, of our, our belief and our faith. Uh, let us be encouraged by that. Uh, though we may feel singled out, we may feel alone, we may feel like it's too hard. Think about Paul. Think about many of the apostles and what they went through um, because they know there's, there's so much more, there, there's something so much greater at the end of our life than what we see here and now. And this is just a short time. We don't know how much time we've got left. It could be today, tomorrow, we may have 20 or 30, 40, 50 years left. We just don't know. Paul wasn't sure, but, but what he was sure about was his allegiance to God. If you're here this morning and you hadn't obeyed the gospel, uh, and you feel like it's time, it, it is time. Uh, if, you, if you're not right with God now, you've got something in your life, some sin you need to make correction of, you need to do that now. Uh, you're not promised another day, another hour. I appreciate your attention, and if you're subject to the invitation, please come and stand and sing.